Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Wow. Swimming in worship. Swim. That's how I felt. Thank you so much, worship team. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're visiting with us today, if you're new, we are glad you are here. Welcome. Trust that you're being blessed today. You know, one of the things I find amazing over the summer period, as we're just coming to an end, although we're, we're very thankful for this weather, over the Summer Connects uh, Cafe, we were having people come to this service, to our church from all over the world. Like on holiday, they were choosing to come to this church. And I think that's really cool. I think that's amazing. I think, I think that's just such a treat to see people that want to go to church on their holiday. And the church they want to go to is this one. I think that's great. Really, really fantastic. Different ways people come to church. Some people, some people have friends that nag them until they come to church. Some people drag their friends to church. You might be one of those here today that you can't figure out why you're here you're just trying to save the relationship with your friend and, and that's all cool and that's good that you're here because anything can happen. Anything can happen in one moment when you're in the presence of God and it's just wonderful that you're here as well and I'm just really excited again from the summer services that we've had, the testimony after testimony after testimony. It just absolutely testifies of God's activity in people's lives. God's activity in his church. And that's really what's so important is that we just see the evidence of God. It's a living testimony. With every testimony, it prophesies to the next testimony that God is alive and he's active and wants to be more active in our lives. And so I'm really, really pumped about our summer services that we've had. And, and this is the best, I've always said this is the best autumn going into winter, going towards Christmas is the best season of the year for us. As a church, people come back from summer all pumped up, juiced up with the vitamin D that they've been lacking in the first half of the year. It's true. That really hit me this, this, this year. I, I was really like, well, what's wrong with me? Really strange. Recognizing myself, and I realized I was lacking sunshine. But we come back from summer all juiced up and happy and ready to go and get into church and get into what God's doing in this city and uh, this is a really great time for the church. So can I encourage you to jump in? Well, I want to jump in, talking about jumping in, jump into Hebrews 11, a familiar passage. And today, of course, this is mission, the mission part two. Matthew did a great job last week uh, introducing the topic. And I, I, of course, I'm, I'm going to be speaking in part around Super Kids Fun Day, but there's a greater aspect I want to challenge us with as well and Super Kids Fun Day is just a part of that. And when I look at Bible characters, you, you kind of have this thought in the back of your mind that their lives, when you read about their lives, you kind of just get the snapshots. It's like Instagram. You get the highlights of their lives or the lowlights, but that's not Instagram, um, of their lives. That, you know, the, the calling of that particular Bible character will be quite confronting. They might rebel and go somewhere else. They don't want to hear it from God. Or maybe then 
God's got to chase it down, and then the whole middle of their life is the process of them submitting to God's call on their life. And, and then at the end of their life, it's completely epic and amazing because they finally got lined up and obedient with God and what God wanted to do through them to affect a nation or a city. I find that that tends to be the, the pattern of Bible characters. But here we see Abraham who actually doesn't fit that template at all. The epic part of his story is not so much the end of his life because it actually doesn't say so much about the end of his life. It's about the start of his call. Whenever we think of Abraham, we think of faith. Whenever we think of faith, we think of Abraham. But yet, that faith that we think about is the start of his story, not the end of his story. If you were to think of somebody as a person of great faith, the greatest example maybe in Scripture, then you would think about the end of their epic life and their epic ending of faith, etc. But this is the beginning, at the very beginning of his story that we recognize that this person has significant faith and that it's an amazing story. And so let me pose this to this point to you. What if God called us to live a life where the story of our faith wasn't so much about our story's ending, but how somebody else's story began because of how our story ended? Think about that for a second. What if God called us to live a life that wasn't so much about me, And my journey with God, or me and my story, if I was to write a a book, the book of Quentin, there's a thought. Hmm. If I was to write a book, that the book wasn't so much about my story, but more about the person that was going to read it. It was more about the next generation and how my story impacted them, which then impacts their story. When we look at Abraham, that's his story. His story is all about the next generation, not about himself. Everything he did was over the horizon. So in Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations and a city designed and built by God. My goodness, there's a lot in this. I'm just going to touch on a couple of things. But here we see Abraham being called, being obedient, and not having a clue where he's going. But wherever it is that he's going is his inheritance. Sounds like a journey of faith to me. I don't know about you, but... Ever since we've started talking about the possibility of buying this building from the Salvation Army, I go, Lord, is there any point 
in building your house that is not a journey of faith? Can we not just write a check or say, hey, we'll pay you when we can pay you? Or, you know, is there an easier way than having to go down a path where I don't know the path, but I know the inheritance? Are you with me? How many times have I prayed the prayer, Lord, is this building ours? Lord, if this building is ours, how is it going to become ours? Time and time again, Lord, how? Lord, how? Lord, how? Lord, how? Can you do this? Lord, how? Anyone had a prayer life like that? Finally, God being God, just lets you linger in that mode for a long time before he whispers three simple words and you then get more frustrated. He said to me, I've got this. Yes, you've got the whole world in your hands. You're the Alpha and Omega. Yes, you're God. You're before time. You're, you're, you're all these amazing things. Jehovah Jireh. You, and he goes to my prayer, literally, of complaint. That's what my prayer was. Lord, how? Hello? He goes, I've got this. I've got this. And so if I was to have a subtitle today, I've got a whole bunch of subtitles today, it would be, the future is ours, I've got this. I love that worship song about my soul giving it up and trusting in him. That would be another title. I've got so many subtitles here I don't know what to do with, but I've got this. What does that mean when God says, I've got this? In verse 8 it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. That resonates with me. That, I, I connect with that at different levels. You see, there's this understanding that the closer you get to God, the more you know that path that God's called you to. That the closer you get to know God, somehow you get the inside information that others don't get. Well, I would probably disagree with that a little bit and say it's probably the more disconnected you are from God, the more you know your life, the more you control your square that you fit in, that you've created through your career and your finances and your home, and your family and everything else, where you are in control, you know exactly what's happening in your life. I would suggest to you that the closer we get to God, the more we don't know. It's an interesting thought. I've got this. Abraham obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went. You see, this is one of the biggest challenges, I believe, as a Christian from the time that we asked Jesus into our life, that first day that we surrendered our lives to him. And I'm going to give that opportunity to today at the end of my message. I believe one of the most significant red threads in our journey of faith with God through our entire life is the process of learning to trust him. 
You may trust him at this level. He wants you to trust him at this level. And then he's going to give you something else that requires you to step up in your level of trust. Because with every trust, there's a new test. With every test, there's a new knowing in who God is. You see, I believe a good definition of a mature Christian is that process of going from independent to being dependent. Abraham, this great man, had no clue where he was going. But he knew in his soul, God's got this. For so many of us, there's an inheritance over the horizon. There's a promise in the distance. See, the thing with a fulfilled promise, when you have a fulfilled promise, it keeps you in the present. It's fulfilled. It's completed. The whole point of a promise or an inheritance is to draw us into the future, to keep us dependent on him, to keep us trusting in him. Abraham had no clue where he was going except he knew this, that her inheritance is in the distance. The path to the inheritance, he had no clue. The path to ownership of this building, I don't have a clue. I just know he's got this and we need a miracle. When Susanna and I came here to start this church, we knew the inheritance, we knew the promise, but we had no clue how. We didn't have a clue how we were going to do this. We just had willing hearts and obedient legs And here we are today. Recently, many of you may know that uh, Susan and I have bought another house, a new house. Well, it's not a new house, but it's a new house to us. And we've sold our house in Biarrit, in Luma. And that house in Biarrit was a promise given to us in Sydney. Back before we moved to Sweden to start this church... We were having babies like many of you, and Susan was getting the whole brooding, nesting thing going on and wanted to have her own home, and the market prices were too high, and I was very involved with church and Bible college and work and all sorts of stuff, and I, I kind of just kind of complained to God about it, and he just said, I'm giving you a house when you get to Sweden. Within six to nine months of arriving, arriving in Sweden, we had this house in Biarrit. The house was shockingly bad. So bad, there was one bidder that was going to knock it down and build a new house. It's interesting with God's promises. They never come shiny gift-wrapped. What is that? We keep thinking it's going to come shiny and gift-wrapped. They got to the River Jordan. Hey, there's your promised land. Go build your home and make your farms and increase. But there's giants there. There's big people with big steers and swords and nasty relatives and all sorts of things. We have to take the promise and build it. It's a possession element. And so we took this house, we moved in, had no money, and over 10 years we renovated it into a very nice home. Promise fulfilled promise fulfilled. 
So, for the last three or four years, Susan and I have been looking for a bigger house. Not that we were desperate to move, but we just had this thing in our hearts that we wanted a bigger house so we could take people in and care for them that needed help. A place of healing, of restoration, a place of empowerment. Anything from human trafficking to whatever. We just had this in our heart. And we'd go looking and go looking on weekends and go looking, go looking. And I've got to tell you, we went looking. It became a thing we did. There's a, there's a quote I, I love using in regards to this illustration. God takes a long time to move quickly. Think about that. Has he done that in your life? You've been persevering and persevering and persevering and you're sick of persevering. You've been stretched in your faith. You go into doubt and the Holy Spirit gets you back to a place of faith and you're growing and you're stretching and you're wrestling like out of the book of James. And then suddenly, it's right there in front of you. That's how it was for us. This house came back onto the market. We went and made a bid and we got it. And I went, hmm. When we went to the viewing, I walked out of the house going, no way. No. No, 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 no. Not this house. And then over about a month, as we were bidding, or a couple of weeks as we were bidding, God just started to show me, I've taken a long time to move quickly, so you better move quickly. You better get in step because this is the house that's going to fulfill the dreams I put in your heart. You see, I could have stayed. We could have stayed in Biarred, nice house, nice neighborhood. We had no idea of the neighborhood. We had no idea of how good the school. had no clue. It was the only house we could afford. And we could, we could stay there. We could just stay there. It'd be comfortable and nice and go for walks by the sea. Promise fulfilled. God's going, no, there's another one on the horizon. I need you to grow and step up and trust me at a whole new level. There's a whole God story in this. Abraham had to trust God. Let go of my soul and trust in him. Has your promise been fulfilled? Do you see over the horizon? I want to challenge you today to see over your horizon. I want to challenge you today, where is your promise? Have you given up on it? Are you in the middle of wrestling with it? Because that's a great place. That's where God builds perseverance and strength within your spiritual character. Where are you at today? Do you, do you, do you believe that God has it, that God's got this. And so when we look at Abraham, we see a man that's stepped out in obedience because of the coming generation. He's gone to a foreign land. He's looking for a, what is basically a holy city. It's not about him at all. It's not about him at all. And as a church, we're in a wonderful season of growth and we're seeing ministries, going to get see ministries get started over the coming years and We're just going to see things increase by addition and then eventually multiplication. And Super Kids Fun Day is just around the corner. It's just seven days away. 
We started literally with a handful of people on a grassy knoll just up at Helia. That's what we started with. And last year, we were about 1,200 people in a four-hour period at West Harbour. This year, we're changing strategy. We're downsizing, but getting hopefully more focused. We won't have probably 1,200 people here, but I'm believing that we will reach people here. That's what I'm believing. I want to ask you, do you see this not as a promise fulfilled, but a promise yet to be fulfilled? I want to encourage you to see what God's doing in this church as the inheritance on the horizon and that we are walking a journey of faith towards that. That this Super Kids Fun Day on Saturday is an indication and a confirmation of what God is doing as we move towards the inheritance, which is this city, this region, and this part of the world. Are you with me today? Do you understand? I'm asking you, do you see it? Because when I see, when I see you, I see it. I see our promise. I see our inheritance. When I see Club C3... And what the guys are doing with Club C3, I go, man, I can't wait. I cannot wait until we have this auditorium filled with youth going crazy on a Friday night. And I'm kind of outside going, oh, no, the noise, the neighbours are going to complain. I can't wait. I can't wait to see our children's ministry become so big, we have to move next door so they can use this building. I can't wait to see multiple services, a fully Swedish service, services in Lund, Central Malmö. Okay, you go, what's the connection between Super Kids Fun Day and what you're talking about, Quinn? I'm talking about vision. I'm talking about our promise on the horizon. This is an indication of that. And there's so many ways you can be involved. After the service, for a few minutes, we're going to gather and if you haven't joined a team or found a way to help, just, just, just hang around after the service. You'll find a place. You can pray. I'm going to find time after work during the week and walk around that piece of grass and pray. You can invite somebody. There's people in your world with little kids and they'd love to come and have some fun. You see, no one's going to preach the gospel to them. No one's going to manipulate them. No one's going to push them. We're just going to have fun. We're going to get to know people. We're going to welcome them into our world so they can see Jesus inside of us. Can I encourage you to take some of these uh, little flyer cards and give them out to some of those friends that you have? Matthew had an awesome example last week about at his Dargis with his, with his boys. They put out birthday cards in the boxes where they clothes are hung. Put one of these cards in there. Sign on the back. Please, you are welcome to come to Super Kids Fun Day and your child's name, and your mobile number. Yeah? So many ways we can do this. Hand them out in your neighbourhood. Stand on the street corner. Whatever it is. We put an ad in the local paper here in Limham for three, the last three weeks. I was actually looking for one this morning, but I, I couldn't find one. Please pray that people find these, these, these flyers. Please, please, please pray for people that see these ads in the newspaper, that they will respond, that the Holy Spirit will draw them even if it's just out of interest sake, that they'll come and experience what God is doing here. Is that all right? So the future is ours because I see it. I see it in you. I see it in what God's doing here. His activity is everywhere. 
So let me encourage you to come to a place of faith with me. Come to a place of seeing. As you pray for Super Kids Fund Day, pray for the children's ministry. Pray for more workers. Pray for more families. Pray for more single mums and dads. Pray for all the people of this region. Let's all stand up as we finish up. Let's pray. I'm just going to give an invitation. I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about what God is doing. I'm believing for divine opportunities. I'm believing for people to come to Super Kids Fun Day who are looking for Jesus. I'm believing for people to come, for families, for single mums, single dads, uncles, aunts, grandparents, singles, anybody and everybody to come. I'm believing that they come with an openness in Jesus' name. We speak freedom and openness in Jesus' mighty name. We speak openness and freedom, the courage to respond and say, yes, I need something that you have. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross to guarantee that future would be ours. The future belongs to you because it belongs to God. But there are some of you here who are still holding onto your life. You are still trying to live your life in your own strength, your own power, your own wisdom, your own way. Today, I want to suggest to you is the time to cross that line of faith and say, Yes, Jesus, I give you my life. Today is the time to cross that line of faith and recognize and accept that the sacrifice of your death, Jesus, on the cross. I recognize that you rose from the dead and that you, only you, have the power to change my life forever. If you are here today and you recognize this within your heart, I want to invite you to say this very, very simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. This is where it begins. Say it to Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life today. We could all say it afresh to reposition our hearts and minds afresh today. Jesus, I give you my life today. Yes, Jesus, my life from this moment is yours. If that is you whispering that prayer, I want to encourage you just to lift your hand. If you're praying that prayer for the first time or second time, that's fine. If you're here today and you feel like, yes, Quentin, this is me, I need to give Jesus my life today. I just want to encourage you as the heads are bowed, as we're praying in God's presence, that you would just raise your hand, take the courage, and just pop your hand up in Jesus' name. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking that step. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? Is there anybody else here? Jesus, I give you my life. It's the beginning of a very long conversation. A very long relationship. Father, I thank you for this man and this woman who has in this moment said goodbye to their past and stepped into their future. I thank you that they have crossed the line of faith and opened their, their lives to you. Jesus, 
the same power that you have conquered the death and stepped out of the grave is in, in this place, in their lives right now. I pray you wrap them in your love, that you let them know they belong to you and that, they will, that you will never leave them or abandon them. God, I pray that you'll speak so loudly in their soul that they will know that the future is yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.